0: Man. Well, good morning, uh, church family. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. And let's turn to John chapter 15. Uh, John chapter 15. If you're a guest with us, thank you so much uh, for being here. That Bible, uh, if, if your seat back, if you don't have one, is our gift to you. We'd love for you to follow along uh, with us. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. At Tri-Cities. Uh, and I just want to say before we jump in, John 15, thank you so much. So many of you over the last few weeks have reached out to my wife and I just expressing uh, that you're praying for us and you're in our corners. We just love you for that. Thank you for, for doing that. You say, why do you need prayer? The answer is a lot of reasons why I would need prayer, but specifically if you haven't heard over the last few weeks of God's calling on uh, my family, uh, that God's called us to be sent out from Tri-Cities Baptist Church here in the next few months uh, to a city that's yet to be made clear uh, to plant churches. And so that's going to be uh, coming up for our family. So uh, just continue to pray for us. We just got back last night uh, from our third uh, city that we visited over the last four weeks and just asking the Lord to make clear where He is that He's having us to go. So just continue to pray for us for clarity uh, in that as we continue this journey. And I'm just excited to be a part of this church and be sent out from this church. And uh, we love you uh, deeply. Uh, So before we jump in again to John 15, I'm going to give a public service announcement to all the fellas in the room. Anybody know what this week is that you should probably know what this week is? Anybody? No? Valentine's Day? Okay, so get your iCal out and put a reminder on your phone if you need to. The Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, I've always been a terrible gift giver, so thankfully my wife... um, she says isn't that concerned with that, but she, she, may, she may sing another song if you were to ask her. Uh, but I have, in a few years that we've been married, uh, found out something that she loves as far as in terms of gift-giving, and it's plants. Women, any of you women in here love plants, or men for that matter, love foliage in your house? I don't really understand that, I don't get it, but go outside if you want a tree. I mean, but it's fine, have, have your trees. And so I found this cool little odd little plant with a cool little vase and gave it to her. Uh, last valentine's day and the thing might have made it a week before my wife killed it my wife is awesome I love my wife she's good at so many things keeping plants alive is just not one of them we've been praying for her thumb to become green you know and all that is to this point it's yet to be happened I didn't think a plant could die that soon but it did Uh, so we say why are you telling me that Derek Um, number one I hope my wife isn't listening to this podcast later on this week first of all Uh, But we see in John 15 an image that Jesus gives us, describing our life like a plant. And I don't know if you kind of know those things, but he says that you're a branch and that Jesus is a vine and that God the Father is like a vine dresser. And he says your spiritual life is a lot like that. We can learn something from the way he's hardwired creation to understand what your spiritual life is like. And at the risk of testing the strength of my marriage, I'm going to step out and say, that all of us are much like my wife when it comes to us in our spiritual journey. That if left to yourself to keep yourself alive spiritually. If left to yourself and myself and to us to grow in all that God's called us to be, we're not going to make it too long. And what Jesus is instructing us, I th- hope, will give us life and free us from some of These pressures that I think we feel and this conviction that we see, that we would take this conviction and move ourselves into seeing more of who God is and what he's done for us in the gospel. So I want to read John 15, verses 1 through 11, just in its entirety, okay? So please follow along with me. and We're going to hear the words of Jesus to us this morning. John 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He, the Father, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, Jesus says to you, and I in you. you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So Father, we thank you for your word that is life. It is the seed is planted down deep in us that produces fruit in us. So, Lord, I do pray. What we just sang, Lord, you will show us Christ. Make us like Jesus this morning. We pray. Lord, I pray for the soil of our hearts. Lord, you would find our hearts not to be stony or thorny or rocky that would cause the seed of the word to be choked out and burnt or Lord, that the fruit that is there would not tarry because of the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches, but Lord, that your word would find our soil of our heart to be softened this morning. Lord, would you do that work by your Spirit? Would you change our hearts to receive your word this morning? Make us like Jesus, we pray. I pray that we don't leave out of here more hardened to the gospel, but that we leave out of here more. Soften to it and in love with you and change to be like you. So it's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. All right, so I'm not going to um, pretend to get through all of John 15 and those 11 verses this morning. That's not necessarily even my goal today. I want to do something a little different than what I would usually do is just kind of pack in and unpack everything that we can out of this, these 11 verses. I want to take a little bit of a different kind of angle at this um, because next week uh, we'll be teaching a, kind of a part two to this to get at some of the things that we don't cover this morning uh, but I also recognize that John 15 for so many of us is one of the most familiar passages in all of scripture and we kind of come at this understanding what we think that we know about this passage it was true of me when I was preparing to study to preach this over the last couple of weeks and I know that for so many of us uh, we know the language of abiding, especially if you've been around Trinity Baptist Church for any length of time. You've heard that language coming from uh, this platform, from so many people that I hope that are discipling you, that everything that we do as a, as a faith family flows out of an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. We say those things a lot, and the reason we say those a lot is because Jesus tells us to do it. Uh, But I, I want to just have an honest, almost just a conversation, walking through the text, understanding what it is that he's saying to us here. And I pray that as we read those 11 verses, that we didn't just read it as if we were just reading things on a piece of paper, or even true things on a piece of paper, but to read it as if Jesus is saying that to you, because that is the reality of what we believe about the Word of God, is he is speaking this to you. He's inviting you and even commanding you to live a certain lifestyle and what it means to be a Christian. So if you're here and you're not a believer this morning, we are so glad that you're here today. Um, We're so thankful that you're here. and We pray that you see Jesus and what he's inviting you into, what he's commanding you into um, this morning. But one thing that there's a lot of things that Jesus is saying to us in these 11 verses here, okay? But one thing that I think you can't read this text and not come away with this understanding is this. Jesus is cares about your fruit bearing Jesus cares that we produce fruit I mean it's hard to argue that from this text it's all throughout it but the question that remains is okay what's fruit (laughs) how does it grow how do I actually be transformed how does all of this work why does he care about our fruit bearing? So there's some questions that we've got to understand before we can understand anything else about practically what it means to abide. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit uh, this morning. Before we go a little bit deeper in John 15, though, I want to read this one verse uh, from Galatians chapter 4. If you were here uh, at our team night a a few weeks ago, you heard uh, Pastor Mike preaching from uh, this passage. And this is a passage that your elders have been praying over you for months, that we've been praying for our own hearts. And I'm asking that God would take us a step in this direction again this morning. Verses Galatians 4, verse 19, the words will be up on the screen behind me. But Paul writes and says this, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, before, uh, a little bit over a year and a half ago, I didn't know anything about anguish of childbirth until we had our first son. And some of you ladies are going, dude, you still don't have any clue about the anguish of childbirth. And I get it, I know. But I know a little bit more than I did a year and a half ago. And I've never seen um, a human being in as much pain as my wife was in. I've never been more proud of her in that moment. But you see the, the that image that Paul says of just intense pain and agony coupled with this hope and excitement that this new life is being formed and this is a beautiful paradox of what it means, that, how God has wired that into creation. He goes, you know what, that is how I feel toward you as your pastor. Paul says, I am in the pains of childbirth. I'm hurting and I'm hopeful. Why? That you would become like Jesus. And let me just ask you the question. Do you feel that kind of urgency? That kind of weight that kind of even pain that Christ would be formed in the people that make up this church your brothers and sisters we just saw these members here that we said we're committing to pray for you and to walk through life with you and disciple you when you're committing to do that with us I hope we get what we mean by that like I am going to do whatever it takes to see Jesus formed in you and will you please do that to me that's that is the heart of your elders we are I can't tell you the hours that your elder team has been praying this for this church is that we would grow, it's that we would produce fruit, it's that we would change, it's that we would become like Jesus, because that's what fruit really is. It is us becoming more and more into the image of Jesus. That's what the Spirit is doing in you. The the fruit of the Spirit is, and he lists all these these characteristics, and those aren't just random attributes. Those are describing the person and work of Jesus. He says, the Spirit is at work in you to produce fruit in you so that you will become to look and love Jesus. So to be transformed, to be like Jesus in the way we think and our affections and how we live and anything that's keeping growth from happening in our lives, we will do whatever it takes to overcome together. Is that what you came in here this morning eager for? Is that the way you see yourself when you think of our church, and not just Trustee's Baptist church, but all people of all nations and the church, and we want more and more people that are outside of this family to come into this family to experience this life transformation. Is that what is riddling your prayer life? Is that what's causing you to make the decision that you make in your life? Is that I am hurting and I'll do whatever it takes. I live my life to see Christ formed in these people. I want to see you grow. I want to grow. and This is our desire and it should be our desire and it should be Paul's desire because it's Jesus' desire. It's God's desire for you and me to bear fruit, to grow, to change. Because if you see that, in verse 8 of John 15, let's jump into there, uh, This one little phrase that Jesus says here. He says, by this, verse 8, John 15, my Father is glorified. So just stop right there. If you've not had a lot of church background, or maybe you do, and we just use words like glorified, and we don't really fully understand what that we mean by that. So what does it mean for God to get glory, to be glorified? Simply, it's just all that God is on display. It's what the word glory means. It's the weight of God and all of He is in His person, actually seen and enjoyed and surrendered to as, as beautiful as He actually is. That we say God is worthy of worship and for Him to be glorified is for Him to be seen as such and our whole lives characterized to say, God, you really are who you say you are. You and you alone are worthy of praise. So he says, okay, you want to know how that happens? You want to know how God gets glory? Well, one of the ways that Jesus tells us here, comes in the last part of that verse. By this, what's the this? My Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit, an abundance of fruit. And then he ups the ante a little bit, and he says, and then so prove to be my disciples. Sorry about that. It was really intense, wasn't it? Um, just dramatic, yeah. He says, that, that's, that's what's at stake here. God's gonna get glory, listen, from your life transformed to be more like him. And I think by implication of this text, you know what he's, what he's saying to us? If there's no fruit, if there's no growth at all, if there's no desire for God to be praised in your life, if you have no desire at all for Jesus, if you're not moving in any way toward holiness and toward maturity, you're proving that you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because disciples grow. To be in Jesus and not produce fruit is impossible. He says, that's what I'm going to do in you. And so make no mistake, what I'm not saying is is perfection, but can you look back over the course of your life and say, I'm not where I used to be, and I'm definitely not where I should be, but I'm not where I used to be, I'm growing, I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday or last year. And just to encourage you a little bit, because I think sometimes we're so hard on ourselves, some of us. Um, If you've ever tried to just stare at a plant and watch it grow, you ever done that? If you have, it's kind of creepy. I don't know why you would do that. But if you have and you stare at it, you're not gonna see much movement, right? But if you stare at the thing and then you move away and come back six months later, if things are healthy and and all conditions are right, there should be quantifiable difference in the plant. And I think this is the way our growth happens in the spiritual life sometimes. Sometimes we think we're better than we really are or sometimes we are harder on ourselves than we should actually be. If you look in the day in, day out grind of growth, like why is my growth so slow? <laughs> What's going on? Is God real? Is he giving up on me? We feel all of those things. But if you look over the trajectory of your life, over the last few months, last year, could you say, listen, I'm not saying I'm pro- producing fruit like I should. I mean, did anybody read this and go, oh, Jesus, I got this. Bear much fruit? That's me, man. I, I, I don't have to bear any more fruit. You know, none of us are there. We all know that we're not where we should be, that there's a a bullseye here, that we're going somewhere. To be a Christian means to acknowledge that I'm not what I should be, and I'm growing. But if you're not in any way producing fruit, you've got to really ask yourself, am I a disciple? And, And then if we are producing fruit, we then prove to actually truly be genuine followers of Jesus. So is there fruit growing in my life? And Here's the inconsistencies of this, and I, wasn't, I need to say this before I move on. You cannot say with your mouth, God is awesome. He is the greatest treasure of the world. There's no one like him. He deserves everything. We say that as Christians. I mean, I, I mean, wouldn't we agree with that theology? And then your life in no way represent that at all. I mean, you see what Jesus is saying there. He said that's where that connection is. God gets glory through you growing because to to not grow and to try to give God glory is to say that God really isn't who we think we say that he is. That's what's at stake here. That's what he's inviting you into. Hear that. He's not putting a yoke on you of, of obedience. He's saying, I want to see you grow and I want to get praise from your life. And you can say one thing, but are you submitting to that process? And here's what I I think I know for so many of us. I think a lot of us would go, Derek, I want to grow. And I struggle to change. Anybody made New Year's resolutions that made past January 6th? You know? It's something about our heart. Is that if you just try to change by merely behavior modification, we're going to be leave just perpetually frustrated. Confused and want to give up. And I think here's where so many of us are on this journey. We're trying to grow. You said, "I am, man. I want to pursue so much." Here's where we, I think, the ditches that we can fall into in this is that some of us is that we are trying to change. We want this fruit bearing so much, and it's not coming like we think it should. And so, you know what you're tempted to do? You're tempted to look like you're changed without actually being changed. I've used this illustration a ton, I've stolen it, I've heard like seven preachers say it, so I don't really know who said it first, so I'm going to take credit for it, okay? Um, this illustration, of, let's say I have a stick, all right, up here, just a dead, old, nasty stick, and there's no life to it, but I want it to look like life, so I staple a rose on that stick, on a, bu- on a rose bush there, it's all wilted, wilted and dead. That rose bush, for a while, is going to appear to have life, Right? From a distance, you're going to look, man, that is a beautiful bush. <laughs> but what's going to happen over time? It's going to die. Those roses are going to wilt because it's not real. It's not connected to anything. And so many of us, that is what our, your faith, that's where it stops. That's what your relationship with Jesus looks like, is you are trying so hard to keep up and be something that you're not. And you, you're in your mind, I'm going to do all of this stuff for God to love me, to accept me. And you're spending so much energy trying to get God to be something that he's already been for you. And you're trying so hard to just staple those roses wanting this fruit to happen and it's not happening. That's what religion does. Don't get, don't buy that lie. But then some of us, I think, that you've tried that and it's failed. And so where you are is somewhere on a continuum of that, listen, you have just given up on the whole idea of fruit bearing. Maybe it's just insecurity. Maybe it's Fear of failure, like if I don't try, then I don't mess it up kind of thing. But for all of it, it's rebellion. It's sin. That would say, you know what, Eric, I know what it says, but. That's always a dangerous place to be in, isn't it? But I, I just don't want to grow. I'm perfectly content being where I am. I, I don't want to mature. I'm fine to be that stick, you know, with no fruit on it. I, and I see a lot of people that way. You would say that, yeah, I believe all these things, but then when it comes down to, okay, let's go. I mean, let's jump in, get involved, make disciples. Like, let's do this. Let's pursue. And there's just a lack of care. And there, for some of us, that's maybe you're just starting this Christianity thing. And you're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Or I don't know if I can be who you're calling me to be. But then some of us, you've been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive times however many numbers. And I won't look around at who I'm looking at there. You've been, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you are tempted to think, listen, because I'm more mature than that guy or that joker over there, I don't need to grow anymore. I've got it. I've arrived. I see a lot of people that have that kind of attitude. Just, I don't have to grow because I'm not comparing myself to the holiness of God. i compare comparing myself horizontally. And we can all convince ourselves that we're more mature than we actually are when we do that. So how does a person really change? Like, really? How do we really produce fruit? Well, verse 4, Jesus tells us. It's very clear. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Literally in the Greek, make your home in me. That's what he says. He says, it's that simple. He says, you're trying to be a vine, when you're just the branch, the branch never can do it on its own. It's only good in so much that it's connected to something bigger that has life through it. He says, so abide in me and I will abide in you. As the branch, he, gives, he tells us the, the way nature works. It can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. He lays it out. He says, all you have to do is stay connected to me. But if you're not connected to Jesus, you're like a stick removed from the source of life and expecting the stick to produce fruit. It's foolish. How many of us in our our lives are characterized by this trying so hard to produce fruit? I mean, I don't know if you've watched a tree. The tree doesn't squeeze real hard and try to produce fruit, right? It just happens. Naturally, because all of these other things are, are happening around it. And its job is to stay connected. If I get disconnected, man, I'm going down. But if I can just stay close, I'm going to make it. I'm going to produce fruit. It's that simple. But here, I, I think, again, because this is so familiar, and we're in the Bible Belt here a little bit, and I think we here abide in Jesus, and we say equals have my quiet time, Right? I mean, some of us think that. Here, hear me very clearly: abiding in Jesus will is never less than that. By quiet time, it's not like punishment for your kids. It's like quiet time is like in the Word here. Personal study. We should probably call it something different, shouldn't we? Um, Your relationship with Jesus is never less than how you put yourself underneath this word. Prayer. Like if you're not doing that, you will not grow. Church, listen, that's not legalism. That's obedience. That's life there. It's just bare bones. Like, I've got to be in the Word. But abiding in Jesus is never less, but it's always more than that. Now, hear me. I don't mean more as in the Bible's not sufficient. I mean your relationship with Jesus and your abiding is not limited to a block of time that you set aside to study the Word. It has to include that. If you're not doing that, listen, you won't grow But when you get up and you shut your Bible and you leave the study group or you come home from your life group, abiding does not stop. Are you tracking with me? Abiding is a way of life. It's to say, listen, you as a person, everything about you should be characterized by I am in Jesus and He is in me. I've stayed connected to the vine. It's a way of life. So next week we're going to talk about how we pursue and Hold on to this reality. But this week, I just want us to understand that if that's not a reality, listen, you're missing it. Jesus is not just a part of your life. He's not an add-on to your life. He is your life. Are you abiding in Him? Are you remaining in Him? We won't read it for the sake of time, but if you download the message notes on the app or on the website, you can get these references. But the context of this just a few verses afterward in verse 18, you know what Jesus is going to say to them? I'm about to go suffer and die on the cross for your sins. This is one of his final address to the disciples here in the garden. And I'm, I'm, the servant is not greater than the master, and if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And then later in, verse, in chapter 16, there's no chapter breaks in the actual conversation that they're having. We put these here for us to find our way around our Bible. 16 verse 1 says, Jesus says, I'm saying all of these things to keep you from falling away. Then chapter 17, he says, I'm praying for you that you would be kept and guarded against the enemy and against the wiles of the devil that's wanting to get you disconnected from Jesus. Things are gonna happen in your life that's gonna pull you away from this intimacy and this vitality of life in me. And I'm saying these things. I'm praying for you that you won't quit. That you won't be one of those is falling away, but you'll stay connected to me. Verse 16 of, of uh, John 17, he says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. He says, You know what sanctify means? Make them holy, change them, produce fruit in them. It happens by the word of God. Jesus praying this for us. He says, This is the context of John 15 that we've heard so much. It can't just mean make sure you read your Bible. Of course it means that. But it means let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and change everything about your life. Because life's coming and it's going to get hard. And are you connected to him? That's what makes all the difference. If you're connected to him, let anything come. Let suffering come. It doesn't matter. But if I get disconnected from him, I can't make it. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. I don't know that I live with that kind of dependence. I want to. I want to live with that kind of Jesus. I've got to stay a hold of you. And if I don't, if you're not with me, I can't do this. We're so arrogant and self-reliant so much. And we think that we don't need to stay connected. But that is, church, listen, the fight of the Christian life. This is it. Not to earn love, but to say, he's already loved me. And I've got to stay connected to him. So that's the context. And so abiding then is I have to understand position who God says that I am. Already, apart from what I do. But I also got to understand I got to pursue something. I got to do something to stay connected to this. We're going to talk about that more, much more next week. But here's a statement for you. The activity of the Christian life must always flow from our identity in Christ, who is our life. Your obedience, what you do for him, must always flow from an understanding of who you already are. If you get those mixed up and you think that what you do is going to define who you are, you're always going to be miserable or you're going to be prideful or you're going to be filled with despair because he says, I want to tell you who you are. I've purchased this for you. So here's the big idea for today, and I promise like, you're just getting started. Like This is toward the end. I'm not closing, so don't hold me to that, but this is toward the end. The big idea, fruitful living. We really want to produce fruit. It is much more, and it begins first, about more about who God is and what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do, more than it is about who you are, and what you're going to do for him. Does that make sense? body in Jesus says, I'm going to produce fruit and actually transform. I have to begin, it's not where we end, but it's where we begin to say, i got to get my eyes off me. i got to stop focusing on me, because I can't change. It's like my good works, this is kind of a, A crass illustration, but it's like spraying cologne on a corpse. Just covering up the stench, trying to act like it's okay, but it's really not. So get your eyes off of you and get your eyes up to him. See who he is. See how good he is. See how beautiful he is. How worthy he is. And then see all that he's done for you and is doing in you and promises to complete in you. Christian, listen to me. God is more committed to you than you will ever be to him. He said, If you're in me, you weren't in me because you did anything. <laughs> and I'm g- working in you right now to produce Christ in you, produce fruit. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to keep you. It's going to happen. You just got to stay close. You got to submit. You got to get all in. But I'm going to produce fruit in you. That's what he is doing. So in verses 1 through 3, here's the two realities um, and we're done, okay? First one. About who God is in this position, understanding our position in him before we ever go do anything for him, understand what he's already done, is we got to understand something about the nature of the sovereign work of God. Cuz verse 1, Jesus says, "The Father, God the Father, you know what he's like? He said he's like a gardener. He's like a gardener. He's the vine dresser. Look look at it there in verse 1. Then verse 2, he says, "Every branch in me That does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Then again in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Here's what I know pastorally. I've said this, I've heard so many people in the church say something like this. You know what, if God would just make my circumstances better, then I would change. If my life group was this and not this, or if the preacher would just do this and not this, or my spouse, or if you would just give me a spouse, then I would be actually be able to overcome this sin or to do this more faithfully. How I many of you said that you don't have to raise your hand, but like, yeah, I, I tend to blame God for the circumstances in my life and why I'm not growing. What I want us to see in this passage is, listen, that God is committed to your growth more than you're committed to your growth. And anything that's happening in your life is coming from the sovereign hand of a God who says, I'm committed to you committed to you. Getting, I'm going to get glory through your life from you becoming like Jesus. I'm doing that work. And the, father, the gardener here does two things. In verses 2 and 6 he prune, He punishes. He punishes. It says, there's some that say that they're in the vine but they're not producing fruit. And those people he cuts off and throws away into the fire and is it's to say, Listen, you can say that you're in Jesus but not really be in Jesus. And part of the role of the Father in your life is to judge. And to say, you're not a real disciple. This was true in the life of Jesus. So many people said they were in following Jesus until it started costing them something. And they walked away, thus proving they were never truly connected to Jesus in the first place. That's the work of the Father. He's doing that work. Let that be a warning to us. But that's not the only work of the Father. That He's loving and gracious. And that he says, he's going to prune. He says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So those who's not bearing fruit, he's going to cut off in judgment. But listen, if you're in him and you're producing fruit, he says, I promise to cut. That's what I'm going to do. That's what it understands to be in a position in him. You say, Derek, okay, have you ever um, seen somebody prune a bush? Like, it looks terrible. (laughs) Like, when they're done with it, it's like, man, you just ruined that poor little tree. It's like, it was looking good, and then you just Edward hands on it, and it was done, and like, I don't know what happened, but then a few months later, when harvest time or fruit season, whatever happens, I'm clearly not a gardener, um, when that happens, man, it was more lush and beautiful than it ever was in the first place, but in that moment, you're going, all right, gardener, what in the world are you doing? Some of you are in that moment right now with God. You're tempted to say, God, you've abandoned me, why aren't you Working in my life, I'm wanting to do this thing and change, and where are you? If you just change all this, and God's going, no, 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 switch your perspective. I am at work in the world, and I'm at work in your life, and I'm making you more like Jesus. I'm making you holy, and I have to prune and cut off the things that are going to kill your joy, dampen your growth, and I'm going to cut, and it's going to, you're not going to understand, it's going to sting, but at the end, you're going to produce more fruit. I love you. One of the best commentaries on this, I I could go on about that, but I'm just going to let the word speak for itself, and I promise I'm finishing. Hebrews 12, the words will be up on the screen as we close. This is one of my, this is a dialogue of what it means for God to prune us, okay? Here's what the author says. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Some of you walk in weary this morning. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines, he prunes, the Heavenly Father does, the gardener, disciplines us for our good. That we may share, get it, his holiness. Fruit bearing. He goes on. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. All God's people said, amen. Ain't nobody saying, give me more pruning. When suffering starts to cut at us, when the scriptures begin to cut at us, when circumstances begin to cut at us, we will all say it's much more painful than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful, what's the word? Fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God says, I'm working in your life. Part of what it means to be in me is to say, you've got to trust my work in you. I'm pruning that you might produce more fruit. And I promise I'm showing you I'm finishing this, shutting everything up. But he says in in verse 3 again, he says, Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. That word clean is the same word for prune. Same word. So get what Jesus is saying. God is going to cut you and prune you. He's going to clean you. Like dirt, it's on something to clean it off. Pruning, I'm cutting something that shouldn't be there. That's what God's going to do continually in your life. But then he says, Already you're pruned. Already you're clean. So did Jesus contradict himself just now? Like, what's happening here? How do we understand this? And the New Testament walks this this, this tension all throughout the New Testament. Here's two examples. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, already you are washed. You're washed. You're clean. Like, you are spotless before the Lord because of what Jesus has done for you. That's true. Right now, if you're in Christ, that's a reality. But then in 1 John, John says, if we confess our sins, Meaning that we're not all clean, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Cleanse us, prune us of all unrighteousness. So which one is it? Are we we clean already? Or is he having to continually clean us? The answer, yes. It's both true. So here's the reality that we're going to close with. Abiding in Jesus is the lifelong process where God causes us to become who we already are. You already are loved. So stop trying to earn it. But I'm going to have to cut you and clean you to where you are more that way. You're already declared to be righteous because Jesus lived the life of fruit bearing that you couldn't live. And Jesus died the death that you deserve to die and he rose against it. I'm going to give my life in you to overcome this. That is true of you right now. So listen, you can, God cannot love you any more than he loves you right now if you're in Christ. God can't love you any less than he loves you right now because if you're in Christ. Because he looks at you and sees Jesus. But yeah, that's who we are. That's good news. He gives you that as a gift. But he says, you're not like that practically we're working on this to make you become. You're like a little plant that's got to grow, and we're going to cut a little bit, and you've got to grow, we've got to cut a little bit. And over time, you're going to be this more mature tree than you are right now. And one day, I'm going to come back and fix all of this, and you're going to be with me like you were supposed to be in the first place. But until that time, it's a process. I'm causing you to become who you already are. We've got to understand who we are before we can ever change what we do to become I'm inviting you into this. You don't have to earn it. I've already given it to you. Rest. Remain in me. That's why Jesus says in verse 1 I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. So if you read your Old Testament, Israel is called a vine over and over and over again. But if you know anything about your Bible, Israel was a really terrible vine and they produced really bad fruit, right? They always were failing. And now Jesus is on the scene about to go to the cross. and He goes, listen, guys, I am the true vine. What you and your ancestors all around before you failed to do for yourself, I'm going to be for you. I'm the true vine. You didn't have the life in you to change yourself, but I'm going to come in. if you stay connected to me, I will change you because I'm going to live up for you where you could never do it on your own. That, my friends, is the gospel. That's what separates this message of Christianity from every other world religion, because every other religion or worldview, even if it's secular, says you got to find it within you. you got to do more and try harder. you got to get yourself up to God. And Christianity says, no, listen, you can't do that. I'm coming to you. And I'm going to be for you what you can't be to yourself. Just connect to me, and I'll do the rest. All right, let's pray. Bow with me. Enter into a time of response. Um, Let me just ask you, are you in Jesus? Because that's really what it means to be a Christian. It's to be in Jesus. It's not to be a certain type of person or have all your stuff together. It's to say, I I once was not in Christ and now I'm in Christ. And friend, if you're here and you've never been connected to the vine of Jesus, let me beg you today, turn from your sin and yourself. Trust Jesus as your savior, that what he's done for you and as your Lord that you'll submit to him be changed, be connected to the vine, to actually be transformed from the inside out. Do it today, right now. You can ask God to forgive you of your sins and give you his righteousness and put you in his family. He'll put his spirit in you to actually begin to obey. Do it today. If you have more questions, we would love to talk to you after the service back at the Hub or ask the person that brought you today. they would love to answer any questions you have about what it means to follow Jesus. And for the rest of us, are you abiding in him? Are you growing to be more like Jesus? Are you content in your lack of fruit bearing? Would you repent and come to Jesus? If you're here and you're trying so hard to produce it on your own, will you repent and come to Jesus? Rest in Him, church. He has done everything necessary for you to know Him, to be like Him. Stay. Remain in Him. So let's stand and let our response and our prayer be this song. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Let's sing it out like we mean it, okay?